And uh, with no further ado, I'm really pleased to introduce tonight's moderator, Mr. Sergio Munoz Bata. Sergio Munoz Bata was born in Mexico City. He has worked as executive editor at La Opinión, executive news editor at KMEX, editor of Nuestro Tiempo, and editorial writer at the Los Angeles Times. He currently writes a syndicated weekly column for 14 newspapers in the U.S. and Latin America and is a doctoral candidate at the University of Southern California. Please give a warm welcome to Mr. Sergio Munoz Bata. Josefina Vasquez Mota is not the first candidate of, to the presidency of Mexico. She is, however, the first lady who has the possibility, very realistic, to be, become a president of Mexico because she is related to three strong parties, three political parties strong in Mexico. But his, his candidature is very important, not because she just belonged to the party that will turn 12 years governing Mexico, but for his political history. For his personal history, it's, we can say that it's exemplary and because she has... Uh, Josefina Vázquez Mota started as a congresswoman, but she lasted there a short time because Vicente Fox, when he arrived to the president Vázquez Mota, he moved, or he was in charge to the Department of Social Ministry. This is a key because you can learn about the uh, poor people in Mexico, how you can assure uh, votes for, for, for the candidates. For she was the one who, who used to be in control of the money. And she had very strong mission. In a few months, she had to, to, to be in charge and a Felipe Calderon campaign. Back then, he had many problems. Vasquez Mota uh, was able to, to do and handle this. Her prize uh, was she was named a Secretary of Education. She had a, a mission, almost impossible, um, because the education in Mexico is uh, one of the three challenges that the, a country has. If she also had an, another very strong uh, problem uh, with. Uh, Esther Gorillo. Now, after a very long campaign, and this is for just to keep it in mind, the PAN is the only party in Mexico that has a, a primary election to select their candidate. The rest of the parties, they design the old way, the, just the finger uh, pointer. Josefina um, Vasquez Mota is the candidate to go to the presidency in Mexico, and we are so lucky to have her here in this uh, virtual Zocalo that Gregory Rodriguez and his team had put it for us. Please uh, welcome to Josefina Vasquez Mota. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, first of all, before we start, uh, we have some. Uh, we, before we start with some questions, I want to like to clarify 
the electoral law in Mexico is where you can put it in a nice way. It's kind of uh, unique because uh, it has some prohibition to for the candidates according to the to the candidate uh, campaign. So, for example, Josefina Vasquez Mota can or not the other neither of the other three candidates can answer to any question that is that is related to uh, uh, electoral campaign or as an advertisement, or they, uh, she can even ask for a vote. This is a law that she can answer a certain question that it can be interpreted in that sense. And, and I try not to ask this kind of questions so I don't get in trouble. But when uh, you have to ask a question, if I think that the question is going to be malinterpreted for the uh, electoral authority, I have to intervene to let you guys. I'm sorry, we can answer that. In that sense, uh, like what I'm looking uh, to do tonight is a way to to have the, the major uh, challenges in Mexico that the country is facing now. Well, we're going to start. Uh, Josefina, uh, please, with uh, the obvious question, uh, a question that maybe you've been asked many, many, many times, and, but it's uh, I have to do it. What do you think that Mexico, the, uh, Mexico is ready to have a female president? Th Sergio... Good night. Thank you for being here. It's a privilege to share this forum. And I also would like to say that it's the first time that I have had interlocution in this forum that have been organized in this way. So to me, this is a challenge, and it's a good way to communicate. Uh, what do I think that Mexico is ready to have a, a, pres a female president first? That we are more than half of the population. And second place, that I'm here, not because just I'm a woman. I know my country, a different point of view, educational point of view. As you said, I was in charge of a very challenging uh, campaign. And uh, the most of all, it's, um, uh, female. In Mexico, we have 7 million. I, I said that in Mexico that uh, they are in charge and, and they also in charge of one and the other husbands maybe. In Mexico, we have the the ability and the talent to, to get the highest we, we aspire. And I think that you are counting with all other males, right? Yeah, sure, I'm counting all of them too. What is the most pa positive and the negative about Mexico country? The positive part is that we are a democratic country. Uh, there is a lot of things that still we have to take care of by the world. We have freedom of expression. We are a country that a lot of people are very young. We have an average of 28 years. So we are a country that needs a lot. We need uh, hospitals, schools, or poor. But it's a country of life. It's a country that work has a lot of ability. And uh, we have to let go and, and work together. It's not just that's a, it's not just one lack. It has the strength 
together, that we are a country, that we are very uh, hard worker. So, for example, at 6 p.m., we started the second uh, campaign, and sometimes we have to uh, to work and we can. This is the best part of us, the uh, uh, spirit, the very strong spirit of Mexico. What's the major adversity that the citizen doesn't have the power that it needs a democracy, that it can go to the ballot and they can say who is going and who's coming on, who's in a uh, congressman can go on, who not. So the best of Mexico is their people and the words are the, the privilege and the uh, political class as well. Uh, well, can we talk about a, a little bit about the big uh, problems uh, that face the country? Can you tell us about the four major um, national problems in this at uh, this time? I have my own theory. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back later. Sure, sure. Uh, first, I think the, the 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 great challenge is education. That we have to give education the a priority that it has to be. It has to be. I've been there. So we have to give the education what it deserves and to the unions what it belongs to the union. I think the education, we are all the Mexicans, we are part of that. I think education is uh, good for the citizens. I think I would like to say something about my history. I was talking about with Vice President Biden in an interview, and I said I was here, President Obama is just in a country like the United States, and men from a background as as him he could be a president. I told President, uh, Vice President Biden, I said Mexico is also a great country. I come also from a, a family, a poor family, and my grandma went from Puebla, and she used to to sell food on the on the market to support a family. I went to a, a public school also until high school, and I worked so hard to be here. I never get anything for free, and, and everything was a hard work, like all of you here. And I told uh, Vice President Biden that in a country like Mexico, somebody that has her grandma selling in the public, public market aspire to be someone very important, and I'm here for all the education, thanks to the education, and without that, we couldn't be here tonight. I think this is the second place, is the uh, increasing or developing of the economy. We have to improve in a better way, more in a better way. 40% of uh, the poor people comes from from uh, markets that they don't have too much competitive. We have to open, open that opportunity and we have to pull rules to another. We work with the law, and we need that uh, political system can change, and most from the roof. Many things have changed in Mexico, but uh, not, not, in, not in the way that we needed political sense. There is still a lot of things that we haven't resolved in the better way. I think the first important challenges, they're not the only ones. When I talk about law, uh, I said the country should recover their security and freedom, and, and the most of all, the country that we can uh, join all together. We have a Mexico that is polarized, that uh, kind of 
not together where no people can can talk. Uh, dialogue is not a, a tradition. We need to learn this to do the better way. Uh, that's very important that you mentioned this because I was missing about uh, talking about violence. And in other interviews that I had, when I asked this question, that kind of question uh, to Mexicans, the first thing they said, the, the, the major problem is uh, violence. And it continues saying, and I would like to know, what will you say uh, when some, somebody said the Calderon is in great part uh, responsible uh, of the violence had increased in Mexico. The first thing I would like to say is there is nothing more important than the security of family. And here, most, the great majority of people here are very young, and some of them may be above average my age. And maybe Sergio will be more sol solidarity than me. But why? Because antiquity, maybe he won't let me lie here. When I was a, a kid in Mexico, kids we used to grow up with a lot of security. If you get lost, look for a, for a police, hold his hand, give him the address and our phone, and maybe he will take you back home. Uh, nowadays, a mom will recommend these kind of things to the little ones, unless they would like to put them in danger. Uh, that Mexico exists in the past, that Mexico will, like, will come back. It has to come back. I think President Calderon, when he began his period, he find a lot of uh, people that were facing a lot of danger, and uh, and he was taking care of, trying to take care of that. He never ignored that, and, and he faced with them. He can negotiate with them. I think he's doing, he's trying to uh, make the families feel secure. In my case, I don't go and negotiate with a criminal, uh, organized crime. I can uh, negotiate the life of a, of a kid. I can negotiate of extortion that somebody can can negotiate with people that kill uh, immigrants to, to look for sicarius. But I think that I will also do certain things differently at the moment when uh, decisions need to be made, made and responsibility needs to be taken. I think that it's very clear that we have to clearly understand, Sergio, that this organized crime didn't happen overnight. It was advancing worldwide organized crime. The difference is that when you find complicity or when you can practically violate the the, the state of law and more than anything we have to stick to justice or we realize that either we ignore what was going on or that it had to be faced. I think that we learned some important lessons now. One of the advantages of being a, a, a journalist who asks a lot of questions is that you, you don't have to necessarily give your opinion. That's why the way you're phrasing the question, some people say, is important. It doesn't mean that I share that opinion, but in any case, on many occasions, I think that by looking at the situation of Mexico, that the weakness of the Mexican nation is much bigger than the uh, strength of the criminals. I think that the criminals have more strength than the Mexican nation, and I'm not referring to the uh, confrontation between the army and the armies of the drug 
dealers. No, drug lords. No, uh, we'll go back to that in a moment. No, it's the tremendous institutional weakness that is uh, in existence in Mexico. I mean, I'm talking, for instance, about that chain that right now could be only of the uh, police officers, the the office of the DA, uh, you know, the Mexican Congress, who is not moving, etc., etc. The institutional weakness that is prevalent in Mexico on so many levels. It's precisely, from my point of view, what weakens the battle against the, the drug lords, the narco. But you are the interviewer and you are the important person here. So this was just uh, uh, food for thought. It's always good to have uh, an intelligent journalist as a partner because I share this completely, Sergio. One of the main challenges of Mexico is to strengthen the institutional life, not only as it pertains to safety. We have to to depersonalize the institutions of the country. I mean, you can't have people who are above the institutions. For instance, I believe and I'm convinced that we need a new design of the Secretary of uh, Interior. We have Secretary of, of the external office who is weak, who is not really dealing with the issues. And I, don't, I think that we need to create a new Ministry of uh, Interior that has the strength to build the political cooperation of the country. We have to strengthen the police officer. We have more than 2,000 police forces. People say all of a sudden, like, why don't we have a national police force like in Colombia? Because in Colombia, we don't have this uh, federation scheme like we have in Mexico. But we need to straighten the Ministry of Interior, for instance, with Mexicans don't uh, file a lot of complaints because they think that they don't think that the Ministry of uh, the Procurator's Office is going to be on their side. And we really need to take care of money laundering. We need to straighten that issue, money laundering. This is something that I have been suggesting. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about a proposal, but a suggestion that we need to, we need to end that forum for Mexican politicians and Mexican politicians need to face the law in equality, like the rest of the citizens. And I believe that these are decisions that can't wait any longer. And this strengthens the constitutional life. Your first question? was what were the four challenges. Without a doubt, with including um, complying the law, making strengthening the institutional life of the country. If we don't have something that is much more settled and solid, not only regarding organized crime, but in regards to many other challenges, we become vulnerable. I'm so pleased that we we agree uh, for the violence, the weakness of the institutional, the educational deficit that we'll go into right now, and the lack of uh, political, I mean, economical opportunities. I have read in many Mexican, in the Mexican media, one of the magazines that I write for, that Mexico is not competing properly in the world. And this is a sentence that uh, comes from the magazine, not from me, because it is a country of people who have flunked. I mean, the, the educational level, primary education level is terrible. Algunas está bien, en otras muy mal. Pero yo pienso que 
I think that one of the main reasons for that is the, the terrible influence of a teacher, Ms. Gordillo. But will you agree that it is a country of people who flunk and that it's urgent, that urgently something needs to be done if you would like to have a good situation for the remaining of the 21st century? I absolutely agree. I think that we cannot resolve something if we don't recognize it. When I was heading the, the Department of Public Education in a very direct manner, and what I mean by that is that I respect the, the unions and I believe that they are important, but I believe in a syndicalism that is based on democracy. I believe in a syndical life that gives, provides freedom for its members and who is pro-modernity and pro-change. I'm concerned when the syndical life is very um, attached to an electoral life. I think that in, in very few countries, uh, a teacher's union is connected to a political party, and that makes it very difficult to have opportunity, educational opportunities. And at the same time, it will be unfair to recognize that the majority of teachers in Mexico they they are there to provide service and they, they like it and we have to do this urgently. First of all, we need to depolitize the educational agenda. I think this is indispensable. And in this case I, I had to do it when I was the secretary of with the Secretariat of Education and this is possible. Sergio, for the first time we were able to to get those positions of uh, for teachers in a lot of states that were sold for fifteen or $20,000. So a, a butcher was able to get a teacher's position or even a taxi driver. For the first time in history, we, we had teachers go take an exam and and I know that most of the teachers were willing to do it. I remember in Zacatecas, there was a group of teachers who were opposing to that exam that they had to take. And we have teachers who actually jump over a fence so that they could take that exam. So we need to instruct our teachers better and we need to support the parents and we need to have full-time schools because there are a lot of women in the workforce and men as well. And finally, I would say that I had to return the uh, on citizenship in classrooms. For 25 years, no classes on citizenship were being taught in Mexico, meaning that for a quarter of a century, the Constitution wasn't being taught in the classrooms. So what I'm saying is that it is possible, but we have to make the decisions and straighten the quality of education in Mexico. Luis de la Calle and Luis Rubio, uh, they, they just published a book where they discuss in a very flattering manner so much that actually yesterday or two days ago, Wall Street Journal made a comment about the book speaking about the rise of the middle class. I was being raised, uh, there, it was eight of us from the middle class, and uh, the rich ones were three, three guys. Yeah, th yeah, that figure hasn't changed much, really. Other intellectuals, for example, Rolando Cordera, according to him, there has been no progress. Do you think that he's making, do you think that the uh, financial situation of the Mexicans is getting better or worse? Well, I've been able to have a lot of conversation with Ruiz de la Calle.
I actually introduced that book in Mexico. So yes, I've read it. This is not a political campaign, okay? It's a fact. No, it's it's it, it's. I've read that book. Yeah, the name of the book is uh, somebody from the middle class. And what I'm saying is that I share, of course, because it's uh, based on facts. It's not an assumption. There is a portion of the middle class that has benefited, who has been able to obtain. Uh, financial stability, access to a mortgage. There are 7 million families in Mexico in the last few years that due to their stability have been able to get a car, have been able to travel a little more, or one of their kids has been able to get a scholarship for school, which they didn't have in the past, that they have been able to have a participation in a business. And you see it in the, uh, in the families who have access to technological assets and things like that. But what's established by Luis Rubio de la Calle, that, what's, that even though the uh, middle class is becoming stronger, it's still vulnerable. The middle class has been uh, possible because more than one member of the family is working. Right now, it's not only one member of the family, it's two, three, even four members of the family who are working and they and they make it, uh, they bring the income that enables them to become a middle class and give, gives them access to loans. For example, the banking is a little more uh, efficient, not trade banking. And there were some others who opened the competition. So I think that what Rolando Cordera and what both Luises are establishing is not a dispute, because what we want to do is grow more, grow more financially. And I believe that that needs to be done by by betting on the internal market, internal trade. But the, the, but there are a lot of questions. I don't think that the problem is that there are a lot of questions or that we have little time. They already uh, waved at me and they said that I need to shut up. So uh, there are a few minutes. I have several questions that I'm interested in, but uh, I'm going to choose one of them. And it's the one that I'm the least interested in. But uh, what do you discuss with Biden? Well, I'm going to share what I discussed with Biden because I wasn't at uh, the other two interviews, but I but I was present at my interview, so I'll share it with you. First of all, it was a warm interview, a close interview. I had not met the vice president. Uh, I met him at that president, or actually a dialogue. It was more a dialogue than an interview. And what I'm saying is that I, I spoke about four subjects, what has to do with the immigration agenda, and something that I requested from the vice president is that we need to keep special attention and we need to watch out to make sure that this electoral process where every 12 years uh, both countries are participating in uh, use the immigration agenda as an electoral subject and uh, uh, bigger polarization because the voices have been becoming more radical because the positions don't help uh, an agenda of improvement and progress of human rights, respect, uh, integrity. I think that a lot of the criticism that is made during the electoral campaign are unaware of not only a relationship and a joint history, but the great effort and work of the Mexicans in the United States. And they also show ignorance about the life of the country on both sides of the, of the border. So we spoke about this agenda. He expressed his interest to accelerate a work that would benefit 
attention to the immigration agenda. I also exposed uh, uh, Vice President Biden that I believe that the agenda has been focusing a lot of immigration and safety for many reasons, but we need to uh, open an important space in the economic agenda. Right now, Europe is uh, experiencing, and there are only two continents that uh, in the, for 21st century will grow, Latin America and Asia. It's important to uh, take advantage of this moment in time to bridge a, a much more solid bridge with Asia. We also spoke about an agenda that evidently has to do with uh, security and justice and how that agenda recognizes first that the, the problem of security, of safety, is not only a problem that Mexico suffers, it's a global problem, and it's really worthy to be much closer, to take more responsibility, to look at the problem of addictions. It's a problem that has to do more with uh, the public health and with, uh, with crime, for instance. And that was a topic that took us a long time. And then finally, we spoke about my experience, for instance, with the community groups. I've worked a lot with the group, with groups of Mexicans here in the United States, and the person who was my subsecretary, Miguel Secali, uh, came with, comes with me, we sp and we started a program, two for one, where the communities uh, contribute one dollar, the federal government another dollar, the local government one more dollar, and the first meeting was really bad. It was really bad for us, because I arrived in Chicago, and there was uh, a, a big complaint about the immigrants saying that they were sending their dollars, and it was taken by the mayor mayors of the cities or the citizens that they wouldn't arrive to their communities. So we changed the rules of the game. We set up a, a rule where they sign a checkbook. And I would like to share with a lot of satisfaction that things can be done better. We started with 20 clubs of immigrants and we ended with more than 1,000. And in this uh, three by one, which already has the support of the Mexican Congress, they build schools, roads, they fix the, the community church, or like one of them who lives in LA said from the Zacatecas. I, in my community, when I was a child, there was only one swing. one swing. And sometimes I have to wait for three or five hours until it was available. So my first three for one program was to uh, provide this big, large park for the community and a space for the children. And we ended up with clubs in Alaska and Hawaii. The problem I had was that all my collaborators wanted to go to Hawaii and not to Alaska. But what I'm saying is that it was a great political and public experience and that I know the community, Sergio, not from a distance. I have walked the road. I know how the communities live here. I've gone to the, the factory of the King of the Tortilla close to New York. I've been to the Mixteca community of Dr. Rincon. I mean, those are fundamental communities and very close to me. So what I would like to share with you with this is that it is an agenda that we need to uh, care for, and I would like to share something that Vice President Biden said, and I haven't mentioned it in the media, but at one point he said, where you're like the Lavacora Mexican, and, and her motto is, yes, we can. I think that, therefore, it was a very close meeting of uh, trust and openness, and I also believe, Sergio, that it is the time to strengthen this relationship with uh, shared responsibility, confidence, and knowing what we're able to do, not on the gray or the white. It's not all or nothing, but to continue building building it and making it with, uh, with a point of view that is much more wide and much more, much closer. 
Yes, we can. It was from Cesar Chavez. Yeah, well, uh, the last question here. Yeah, go ahead, Sergio. Sergio, go ahead, Sergio. Yeah, I think it's very important. One more. Uh, sure, uh, thank you. Uh, when I read uh, a North uh, American uh, newspaper in Mexico, they had died 45,000 people had died in Mexico that um, other than the uh, real problem here in Mexico, Mexico had a very serious um, problem about image and also as social communication. And I'm going to tell you why, because it is the only country that we can talk about that we talk about the, 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 the amount of people they had. If I look the amount of people they had died, not just because uh, uh, traffic, drug traffic, it's not just, for, for example, Honduras, Venezuela, and I put it together and I had for six years, Mexico is not in the first place. Yeah, that's right. And I think many times that it's a very, very serious problem and it's something related to Calderon um, government that he didn't stop that at some point, that he didn't measure violence in, in annually. So like in around the world, not in, in other terms. What do you think about that? Well, I think, Sergio, that you are right. <laughs> yeah, they had a major problem there. Yeah, I'm very serious about it. It was a major problem about communication. Why they did that? For what was the reason? And I think it's something that we have to acknowledge to do it better. So I think we have to acknowledge that they, uh, the choice was just to be uh, like talking about the organized crime, that we have to acknowledge that a, that a, a death is not a damage that without any importance. I don't want to minimize that. A, a, a death is a death. So I think we got to start talking about Mexico, not just about violence and security. We have to talk about the rest, that it's also part of Mexico, without even minimizing the agenda that it's present in all the country, all uh, uh, countries around the world. We have to talk about Mexico, about tourism also. We have to talk about Mexico, about uh, uh, the social part, and we have to talk about Mexico that they get up in the morning and work so hard. We have to talk about the part of Mexico that is also here. And they also face a lot of adversity and they move forward. I think that's uh, it's, uh, it's what it keeps us together in any part of the world. And we start talking about the good things about Mexico, not minimizing. It's like when we talk about our own life, when you talk think about your life and then start thinking what they did good and what they did bad. And also we have to, to acknowledge when we do something good. And if we also uh, talk about something that we have to do and something we didn't do uh, wrong. So we have to take care of this agenda. We need to keep working. We have to start talking or communicating in a better way from the government. We have to give a, 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 a talking or not just one person have to highlight be there but Mexico. But for my side, it's uh, that's all. That's all. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sergio.
And I have a quick question, and yeah, straight. Uh, since 1970, uh, Luis uh, the the small family lives better. Um, there was a subject that it works well uh, back at that time, but since then I haven't seen one president since then that it's tr he. He had a, 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 a way to teach people or teach or educate people to how to, to plan a, a family. This was uh, very terrible with Mexico, with the exploitation um, in many states and cities. And I would like to know uh, there's any relation uh, that we talk about the clero, uh, clero with the bread, and I would like to know what do you think about it? We would like to recognize that the, the amount of people had decreased, and I know what what you what you're talking about. And first, you mentioned a very inspiring person. You have to knowledge. Uh, we have to do a, a polit political without fears, and not just from the sense of view, uh, view or having family, but a prevention. In Mexico, we have uh, a lot of young people that they get pregnant, and I think uh, that it's forcing us from the point of view in Mexico that they would like to increase their information, open information, and help and teach uh, young girls uh, and educate them, and also young young boys. And there's a, a, a job that we have to reinforce, and, and we have to work from the state. And we don't have to be biased in this. We have to do it because it's necessary. So that way we can have a country with more governability, the way we can um, respect the freedom of each person, that we can have more information and prevention and I think this is uh, we have to, to need to do and we haven't done yet. Absolutely. I'm a journalist based in LA and you mentioned on a couple of occasions that um, um, uh, President Calderon's administration admins that uh, lessons when learned uh, in 2006 when on the way they dealt with the violence and with the problem of drug trafficking. I would like to know what are the lessons from now on uh, if you were to become the president? What's the first thing you, you would do as a president to deal with the subject of security and safety. But let me, let me tell you a few of the lessons uh, I've learned or that have been learned, I, th I believe. I think that one of them is that we need to urgently improve uh, the local police and, and provide a certainty to the, for the citizenship from the, from the towns. I think that we need to have a much more rigorous policies regarding man, money laundering. We need to trace the route that money, the money is taking. But where are the, the, the politicians that are accomplices? Where, where are those people who are involved in money laundering? I think that this needs to be done urgently. We need to strengthen the, the instances where money laundering happens and also a legal uh, frame that is complies with the institutional goals. I think that what has been learned is that the victims need need much more solidarity and they need to, we need to go along with them in a manner that is much more human and much closer and with much more understanding with all the force of the Mexican nation. I have been able to be close to some of the families that are um, having victims of organized crime and I 
I must say that this is an urgency. This is something that we need to keep in mind at every single moment. Uh, the victim of a crime cannot be a victim on many occasions of bureaucracy or abuse or indifference. I think that we've learned that we what's, what's required is that a more uh, um, reciprocity among the states. And when there is a problem of the country, it's not a problem of the uh, president of the executive branch. It's a problem that also requires of uh, local responsibility. And I think that we have learned that the rules of organized crime are rules that don't, without any respect of uh, the human, human rights or citizenship or the protection of the things that we love the most, our children. I think that what needs to be learned is that the law needs to be applied without prejudice and without privileges. And I believe that we need a better judicial system that requires also a great institutional effort. And I go back, Sergio, to what you were saying before. I think that those are some of the lessons or things that we need to keep in mind, important considerations that we can't set aside. And also that uh, agenda on security uh, doesn't need to be in contradiction with an agenda that protects human rights. I believe that those are some of the reflections and that uh, uh, based on those reflections, we need to make decisions in the near future that is about to be resolved. Thank you so much. <laughs>